But you know me by a different, much older name. A name perhaps you hoped you'd never hear again. I am Dave! Yeah, so my name's Dave, and this is an Open Letter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I have in front of me my good friend, the producer of the show, Mr. Chad Cashman. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all very much. That's right. He brings the own, his own applause in case you don't supply it at home. Okay. Because otherwise he'd feel bad and he might cry. Or just keep going. Yeah? I have something up my sleeve. Oh, do you? Okay. Well, here we go, and here is... My lovely fiance, Carol Wilson. Hello. More applause. Very nice. Very good. All right. And also, we have with us my good friend. Uh, I've known this guy for probably about four or five years. We worked at the same bank together. He's jumped ship and gone to the competitor. But I have my good friend, Craig Sutherland, here with us. Say hi, Craig. Hello, everybody. Appreciate you being here. And it really is kind of funny because you know who has the best radio voice of all of us? Him. Him. I can tell he's got a good radio voice. Yeah, he's got this. He could be a good announcer. Can you give us a good announcer thing? Just do something like you're introducing the Pistons. Oh, boy. Don't put me on the spot. (laughs) Um, Maybe later. Let's do it for close. You want to? Okay. We'll do it it on the way out. Whose podcast is this? I think this is my podcast. This isn't your podcast. Took it over. It it is. It is Dave's podcast. So I think that the audience should stop for a second and just give Dave a hand. Okay, let's hear it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. See, (laughs) I knew he had something going on there. Yeah, that's that's nice. That's a confidence booster. Man, that's not very nice, guys. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't do that. That would be Chad. That's your fault. Did you say Chad? No, I said Dave. Thank you. Thank you. You said Dave? Yeah, okay. Here we go. This is why you don't don't anger the producer, because he has this type of power. I have power. He does. All right, so we start every segment off the same way with something we like to call off the cuff, where I ask a question, and then you guys all get a chance to respond. I have not shared this question with my uh, co-host or guest, so they're going to really have to think about this. So the question is this. Name a fictional character that you greatly admire, that you wish you could be more like, or you just really enjoy reading or watching this fictional character at some point or time in your life. Think about that for a minute, and let me know when you've got an answer. Answer. you got an answer? Captain America. Why? Why Captain America? Because he's awesome, number one. Well, sure. But yeah. what's, what makes him awesome? I mean, that's you could throw that out there, but what does that mean to you? He, it's rugged individualism. Oh, my. Right? Yeah. Uh, he goes his own way even when it's not convenient to do it. So he sticks to his guns and Big you time. like that. Absolutely. You know what they've done with Captain America now, right? Well, I've uh, seen the Civil War. No, 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 no. I'm talking no. comics. I do not. He is a Hydra agent and always has been a Hydra agent. Get out of here. I'm not lying. That's just a real thing they've done in the Marvel Universe. Well, I'm going to switch it to Indiana Jones then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, Indiana Jones. 
How okay there that's that's quick. All right. <laughs> so Indy so Captain America, I respect that choice. You didn't know about this latest twist, which they'll they'll turn it back and it, it'll turn out that he was never that way and he was just under mind control or something like that. I don't know. They maybe have already done it. All right, good answer. Who else has got an answer for me? I do. Mr. Chad, who is your fictional character? Do you know what that music's from, Craig? It's got to be Don Corleone. Don Corleone. I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Why do you come here and disrespect me on the day of my daughter's wedding? I, I didn't think she was old enough to get married. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I you, something, but did you see Zootopia where they totally yes, had yes, the, the little mouse, the little the little shrew was they uh, doing the Don Carleone? I have not seen that. Yet. So they I'll they get dragged into this. They get dragged in by these ruffians. He's like, why do you disrespect me? You know, and the, it's is is pretty funny. But he's was, really tiny. Yeah, and these big wolves are obeying the little shrew. That was kind of humorous. Carol, do you have one? I'm trying to think of one, and I can't narrow it down. This doesn't surprise me at all. This is why I did not say your favorite, because Carol doesn't do favorites. She has a hard time ever saying what her favorite is, which is why I said just choose one. Just one. Well, I guess I could go with Elizabeth Bennett from Pride and Prejudice. So why Elizabeth Bennett? Because she's smart and... I don't know. <laughs> I like her. She's got a sassy personality. What's your favorite quote from, or the favorite scene from um, Pride and Prejudice? From the movie? Yeah. Probably the scene in the rain. Gentlemen, have you seen Pride and Prejudice? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like how quick it was. No, 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 I have not seen that. Would you ever watch it? Uh, no. I might read the book. I wouldn't watch a movie. Okay. The book is definitely better than the movie. It's always the case. Almost always the case, 99.9% of the time. And I watch about maybe four or five movies in an entire year. So, Yeah, he's not. you're not a movie guy. No, and the only reason I have actually seen Captain America Civil War is because I was on a flight to California, <laughs> and I needed to kill four hours. There you go. Boom. Did You, enjoy, you enjoyed it, though, It right? was fantastic. So why are you not watching more movies if you enjoyed it so much? I have other hobbies that don't include me sitting in front of the television. It's not a but my friend Matt would love you because he's that is the downfall of America in his opinion. The biggest addiction America has is the television. Um, mine, I will answer the question for myself, is a character I very much enjoyed is by uh, my favorite author Patrick Rothfuss. He's got a two book it's going to be three book series. It's called The Name of the Wind, Wise Man's Fears. It's the King Killer Chronicles, and the the, the title character is named Kvothe. And he's just a very interesting character. He's very intelligent, kind of uh, makes a lot of mistakes, kind of, you know, uh, puts his foot in his mouth a lot. But uh, very, very intelligent character, very well-written books. Carol's read those as well. So anyway, that's mine. I'm a really big fan. But we're waiting for this third book. that He wrote his second book about four years ago, and there's still no timetable on when the third book's coming out. Could be 2020. We don't know. He won't. He won't talk about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't why, are you, why do you keep playing the crickets? Were we expecting applause at that point? No, all, I can make my own applause. I, yeah, that's the only way you're going to get it. So, You guys all went with these great, intelligent people. And I went with Captain America. 
Well, well Don Corleone. I could throw Wonder Woman in there, too, because I like her a lot. Well, there you go. That works, then. Do you feel better now, Craig? Yes. <laughs> awesome. I didn't want your self-esteem to be damaged from being on my <laughs> podcast, but... Well, let's get to the podcast. Let's get to the actual reason why we have Craig on the show. Um, and to do that, I just want to kind of preface a little bit, especially if you're a newer listener, I want to give you an idea of why we do what we do here on An Open Letter. Um, kind of our point is, and if you go back to our first episode, we spend a lot more time kind of unpacking why we're doing what we're doing here. But we know that most of you who are listening are probably uh, Christians, probably followers of Jesus Christ. And what we try to do is we try to prevent, uh, present um, viewpoints and stories from areas and places where you may not have heard them before. And we try to talk about topics also that we think really aren't being talked about enough. And we think it's very important that people are having these conversations and hearing uh, opposing different viewpoints or sometimes not fully opposing but just kind of different. And in the future, we are going to talk to, we're going to have people on the show who will have an atheist on the show very interested in what they have to say in their view of Christianity and the church. So I, we're kind of starting to head down that road a little bit today with Craig. So we talked a little bit about this before, Craig. So when it comes to faith, how would you, your own personal faith, how would you describe that? Do you have personal that's, faith? That's, that's a, I guess that's a really broad question. Yes, it, I have personal is. faith. Let's start there. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, I do have personal faith. How would you define yourself if i said craig you got three sentences to define your personal faith would you be able to do that not with three sentences okay so we're going to kind of dig into this a little bit more but what i wanted to do is i think craig is a very uh very thoughtful very intelligent guy he's bald like me which although he looks better <laughs> bald than i do but i wanted him on the podcast because i there's a lot of people out there that think like Craig does, I believe, or in a similar fashion, just Craig articulates well because he's thought about all this stuff. And he's not, and you're not adverse to Christianity, I don't believe. No. You're not hostile towards it. Not at all. Okay. Because I really don't want to get anyone on the show who's like super hostile towards Christianity. I want to be able to have conversations. I'm not interested in, in screaming or yelling. There's too much of that in the world right now and certainly way too much of it on Facebook. Uh, so that's why I brought Craig in because Craig is a little confused. Like, man, why, dude, why do you want me on your podcast? Yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting conversation. I'm sure. I just don't know how many people out there want to listen to it. I guess is really the thing. Absolutely. Um, but since this is my podcast and our podcast, I get to choose who the guests are and Chad and Carol are certainly a part of it and they didn't uh, object. So here you are. Well, hopefully they're interested. I think, I hope so. I um, didn't know what I was objecting to. I just show up. And That's people right. just, this is who we're having today. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then he, see, it's the passive aggressive. He takes out his frustration on me by the sound effects. I see that. We need to, here it comes. <laughs> we, need to, we need to work on affirming Chad Morris so he feels like he's, oh, was that you hitting me or me hitting you? That was a low blow, Dave. That, that hurt. Did it? Yeah, I'm that sorry. sounded almost below the belt. <laughs> oh, wow. The grunt. Yeah, it was. It was a good one. Well, just don't mess with me. You'll, you'll get hurt. You know, it's just this is how I work. All right. So, Craig, I don't, some of this I don't really know because, I mean, we know each other fairly well, but we haven't, like, well, how often do you sit down and really say, hey, tell me about yourself? Tell me how you grew up. What type of household did you grow up in? Got, you know, parents together. 
you know, so yeah. not like a single family household or anything. I've got three brothers. We're all about a year and a half apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very busy. Two dogs, <laughs> four boys, my mom, who's about, you know, five, five. Yeah, I like it when you hold five. your hand up that, that you actually really help, use right? the words. Yeah. Yeah, my, use mom, the, yeah. my mom is about, you know, so like maybe five, three, and she's petite. Okay, so he's like putting his hand down to like almost midget level and saying well, five, three. I, what I'm, I'm doing, five, six. I'm not that short. What I'm doing is just showing about where on my chest, I guess. Oh, if you were standing. Okay. Um, that makes more sense. Right. So, and then my brothers and I are all six feet. Give or take. Now, how tall are you? She would have to regulate that, so that's interesting. I'm six one. Okay. I'm the tallest, but everybody's right in that you know five ten, five eleven, six foot range. Yeah, and I met your brother Kurt. Yeah. When we did the uh, the dog dash. Right. This uh, past March. Right. He's the shortest, and he's about you know about five nine, five ten. So. Yeah, he's about my height. Yeah. My height. So yeah. And then uh, okay. so the four of us, right? My my folks. Um, I guess my you know, since we're going to end up talking about my faith anyways, that kind of the way that started we were in public school until i was in sixth grade and okay. we did not attend church the only time i would go to church was for funeral or wedding and that was just kind of how that shook out mm-hmm. uh, not even major holidays and that sort of thing so uh when i was in sixth grade i had the same teacher that my older brother the year before me had so we we're about a year apart and uh it really turned my parents off to the public school system so they were going to pull all of us and put us in uh, private or parochial school, which they did. Uh, it was a Lutheran school. Mm. Uh, so starting in seventh grade, I went from having zero church to <laughs> daily church uh, while I was in school. Okay. Uh, you know, we had uh, religion in class, was taught. And we would, I think church was Wednesdays. We'd have, you know, our, our service on Wednesdays uh, during school. And uh, we would attend church every Sunday, uh, and then sometimes Wednesday nights, uh, just depending on the season, that sort of thing. So went from no church to a whole lot of church, and uh, that's kind of where that started. What turned you, your parents off to the public school? We had a teacher who was, um, I would say, not going to go one, which political party, but they were kind of pushing politics and ah. some weird things uh, on sixth graders. Uh, which my yeah. parents really did not appreciate, and they started really associating that with the entire public school system. So we came out of that. So in what grade were you in when this happened? I was in sixth grade. Okay. Um, and then after sixth grade was over, that's when we went to private school. So did you have like a family talk about this, or did they just kind of announce, hey, this is what's happening? Oh, they just announced this is what's happening. Did you stay in that school all the way through high school? Uh, no. The So the, the school I was in in seventh grade was pre all the way through eighth grade um and i went to a lutheran high school as well uh and that was kind of fed by this you know big group of lutheran grade schools so all the kids that i competed against in sports and got to know that went to you know i went to st luke and there was trinity Emmanuel, all these other lutheran church schools uh they all fed into lutheran high school north which is in macomb county is where i went to high school Okay, and Macomb County is in Michigan. Correct. Yeah, it's uh, east side of the state. If you think of Michigan, you probably think of Detroit, and you don't know any other cities. Right. But we are on the west side. We're in Grand Rapids now because that's the cool side. Why Lutheran, of all things? I have no idea. Was it just a good school near, you think? I I believe it was just uh, a good school, and it was close to the house, and I think Catholicism was too involved. 
maybe for my parents. Uh, so they went halfway, and that's just where, where we ended up. Um, my my gr- my grandma, um, she was very involved in um, St. Peter's, which was a Lutheran church school okay. uh, in East Detroit, and I think they, we were in the same uh, like school, you know, like in those. Seems like sports conference, school conferences. Yeah, them. sure. So uh, I think maybe she told my dad about it or something along those lines, but I'm not certain. Okay. So you go from this, like you're saying, no religion, like someone flips a switch, and now all of a sudden religion is in your face literally every day all day. Yeah, it was interesting. I didn't know the Lord's Prayer and <laughs> my very first you know, introduction to oh, the school man. and that sort of thing. So my brothers and I were all silent while that was happening, and we just... I can kind of relate to that because when I was in fifth grade, my parents put me into a Christian reform school system and I didn't know any of the creeds or the Lord. Well, I knew the Lord's prayer sort of, but I didn't know when we were supposed to say it in unison. And I always felt so odd. And people looked at me like I was this heathen for not knowing anything. Yes. Did you get that a lot? Absolutely. So, I mean, I kind of imagine seventh grade. I mean, how tall were you in seventh grade? Were you a big kid or kind of normal? Yeah, I was about 5'10". I was maxing That's out there in okay. seventh, eighth grade. So, all of a sudden you have, you get how public schools work. And, of course, every school has kind of its own culture and its own way of doing things, its own unwritten rules and regulations. You had that figured out for the most part. Right. But jumping from sixth grade to seventh grade is tough no matter what school district you're in. And I've never met anyone who liked junior high. So what a tough thing for you. How did that impact you just as a person moving from sixth grade, public school, seventh grade? Wow, now I'm in this very religious thing. But more importantly to me, I don't know any of the rules and I don't know any of these kids really. Yeah, that's tough. Um, there is you know, one of the kids that you know I really started to kind of pal around with on the first day. Um, I'm still really good friends with, uh, we went all the way up through high school and played sports together and cool, you know, um, so, you know, I met some great people right away. Uh, I think one of the things I really wasn't used to, um, and some of the private school kids will get this as well. Um, my, my parents really had to save and work hard to put us in that school. Um, yeah. and it's not cheap. No. So there is, um, I think anybody who comes from just a normal middle-class background like that and is placed in a private school where all of a sudden there's um you know a large portion of the kids their parents are driving mercedes bmw and they're wearing clothes that i had never even heard of before (laughs) yeah the brand names right because i went from a school where jeans and or sweatpants and a t-shirt is what you wore to school to a dress code oh my Uh, no jeans you know it's khakis or dress pants shirt tucked in jim harbaugh style you got it thank you yeah so that was uh that was a big change too so yeah, as yeah. A, as a kid, you 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 start to feel a little less than at that point. So you have people that are looking at you because you have no idea what's going on um, with the religion aspect of it, and then you've got a little bit of the uh, rich kid, not rich kid thing happening. Did you get in fights? No. Okay. So were you ever a fighter at all? Did you ever get in fights in school? Uh, no, not in school. No. <laughs> well that begs the question where did you get in fights um i couldn't tell you the la- i could tell you the last time i got in a fight but we'll save that for another conversation I think. <laughs> okay no that's fine so what was your perception of religion of christianity growing up 
you know, birth to sixth grade, you you have an awareness, obviously, being in, especially in Michigan, um, there's religious people around you. You've heard of Christianity, but it's just kind of this thing on the perimeter. It's outside your norm. So what did you think about it kind of pre-seventh grade? Um, I wouldn't say that I really had any belief one way or the other. It just didn't really occur to me. It never I, was put in front of you. No, I had I had a few friends in my neighborhood that would go to church on Sundays, uh, and they were Catholic. Kids across the street, you know, another uh, guy that lived a uh, block over that we spent a lot of time with, but it was never really, you know, it was just not a thing. Uh, gotcha. So now you're immersed in it. As you're being presented with this stuff, and it's, it's new to you for the most part. Right. You don't know the Lord's Prayer, which, which you know, understandably, and you don't know the rules, and all these kids are reciting this, and you're like, "What did, were you like, what are they saying? Yeah, it didn't really make a, a, a lot of sense. But, again, so, you know, going back, my, my grandma uh, yeah. was really um, involved with this other church. So there were people in my family. It was just never really preached sure. too much. Yeah. So I was aware of it. Yeah. But uh, just never really was active. Um, right. So it wasn't this completely alien thing right when i got there it was different but people that i loved knew and participated so it wasn't you know there there wasn't this huge gap where i had no clue what i was getting into right so you're you're somewhat familiar with these thoughts and ideas a little bit with the practices because you, you've been exposed to it to some extent because you didn't grow up in a vacuum either of course when you're in high school you've got a lot of kids who are super excited about their faith and super into it, and they're the rock stars, and they want to excel, and they know that's how they're going to get praise and adulation. And then you've got a, you know, the the kind of kids that are like, yeah, I don't buy this. You know, I'm here because I have to be here. Um, did you gravitate friend wise towards any specific type of kid in that regard? Not really. No, I hung around with the kids I played sports with. Okay, and there were some kids in that circle. Uh, one of them is actually a pastor of Lutheran Church here in Holland. Oh, okay. Um, that were very active with their faith and talked about it often. And, you know, we prayed before games or in that sort of thing. But um, there was so let's put it, there's about 110 kids in my graduating class of high school. Mm-hmm. I'd say out of those 110 kids, uh, maybe 10%, so maybe 10 or 11 kids were very active with their faith. And talked okay. about it all the time, and studied and discussed and that sort of thing. And the rest of us, uh, I would say, it was definitely beneficial, and it made us better people, and that sort of thing. But uh, it was not, you know, we did community events and that sort of thing. But it was not, it wasn't discussion all the time. Sure. Yeah, and at that age, you're not always into the discussion. You're into living your life and doing the things that are interesting to you. Did you find yourself ever getting into discussions with people and people confronting you and saying, Craig, where are you on your faith? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Oh, not at all, no. Okay. Have you ever had those types of experiences with the people who kind of get in your face like that? No, I avoid those situations. That's not so much a Lutheran thing, though, is it? I don't know. I did attend a Lutheran church uh, when I was living in Des Moines, Iowa, after I left the church where I was pastoring. Um, we went to a large church called uh, a large Lutheran church called Lutheran Church of Hope, um, pastored by Mike Householder, who's just a fantastic speaker. I would highly encourage if you like listening to sermons, listen to Mike Householder over in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, does a great job. Just I've met him a couple times. Very very large church, 
uh, but a good guy. Um, so you you, uh, you try to avoid any types of conversations where people are going to try to get in your face. and Yeah, it just never happened. The, especially, yeah. you know, the church I was associated with and the kids in school, it was just accepted that your faith was part of your life and there wasn't really any sort of confrontation about it. I wouldn't say that if there were any kids in the school that were I was practicing atheists, I guess you would call it, they, <laughs> yeah. uh, they stayed... On the down low, yes. it wasn't. It wasn't discussed. You didn't have the belligerent atheist like I am. I'm railing against the man and no. the program. No. Okay. My take on you, Craig, is you're someone who you're not shy about what you believe, but you know you're just going to live your life and kind of go your way and not cause conflict with people. You're not going to back down from people or right. you know apologize for what you believe, but you're not going to go, you know, put it on a T-shirt or your bumper sticker on your no. car. And when I was at church, you know, twice a week. Uh, and, you know, we were going, I'd have, uh, we'd have our chapel services Wednesday, again, I believe, when I was in, at that high school, and then I would go to church every Sunday, or church on Wednesday nights and Sunday, depending on the season and that sort of thing. Um, I was 100% bought in on my religion. Uh, I was a firm believer, and that's just the way it was, Yeah. and it wasn't until I got a little bit older, I guess, that I started to kind of question that. Right. So I think that was part of the reason there was no confrontation or anything like that because I was you were in yeah I was in you were in it. yeah so you you kind of were somewhat aware of the story you become much more aware of the story and you're like yeah I, I'm in I believe this this is good stuff boom sign me up right I'm going to heaven yep that was it all right now we're gonna transition um, to now and your belief system now and because I, I wanted to set the uh, premise for kind of where you came out of so we're gonna play a little word association here okay. I'm gonna throw some words at you. Okay. I'm and, ready. I, and I just wanna get your I just wanna get, you know, it's like a Rorschach test. I just whatever comes to your mind. So the Bible. The good book. Yeah. Okay. Uh Christians. People. Faith. Depends on the person, I guess. I don't know. That's that's a really tough one for word association. Agreed. Yeah. So at some point down the line, you decided, I don't believe this. I questioned it a lot. What did you question? So, again, being in religion class every day in school. So I, I, I think when you're in that situation, as opposed to somebody who just goes to church on Sunday, mm -hmm. uh, if I just attended church on Sunday and I was bought in, I don't think I would question it as much as I do having attended religion class every day from seventh grade all the way through high school. Right. So in, you know, the religion classes that we have, we learned about our faith, but we learned about other people's faith and why those are wrong. <laughs> and uh, that, you know, Christianity is the one true religion. Right. And everybody at some point has a chance to be saved, but I don't buy that. I okay. think that's BS. Okay. Uh, the way it was taught to me. Right. Uh, so I have a hard time after you get out of school, you know, go, go to college, you have some of the life experiences that, you know, I've had, or you, you watch your friends have life experiences, you know, all of these things, you really start to question why is this the one true thing? And then you start to, to see hypocrisy in the people mm. that maybe, um, not again, not people that I was directly associated with, but just as the religion in general. Right. Um, 
you know, supposed to be warm and inviting. And, you know, <laughs> Jesus was, uh, you know, he hung with the least, right. right? And it is not that way. No. So as you, in the people that I know that are the least and may have zero faith are the nicest, most giving people I know. And the people I know with the most faith are the most judgmental, be nice to your face, and then the second you're out of the room, they're stabbing you in the back, people that I'm aware of. So mm. uh, all of these things started to add up right. to the point where I, I it wasn't, it, it was so, it wasn't even like this really in-depth question of, you know, why don't I believe this or why don't I believe that? It was just, mm. it was quite evident that this probably isn't, you know, the right place for me so i just kind of left i guess church i guess that was a big ramble but no no i appreciate it chad did you want to add something there i was just curious about what you were taught about salvation that made you question it because i don't know what the lutherans teach about salvation so i'm a long that was a long time ago so I'm going to paraphrase, and I hope paraphrase I'm going to, the best you can. I That's hope okay. I'm going to, I hope I'm going to get it right. Well, we and no one's expecting you to represent the Lutheran Church, right? Here. It's just what you recall, right? Um, what I recall is that again, you know, paraphrasing and uh, painting with broad brush, that you know, Christianity is the one true religion, you know, right. forms of so you know it could be Catholicism or you know, Christian reform or Lutheranism or whatever. Right. Um, but that is the one true religion. And then you've got all these other folks out there. They might be Muslim or Hindu or what have you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And at some point in their life, this is, again, from what I remember, those people will have the opportunity to come across the one true religion and be saved. And they might take that path or they might may not. And if they don't, if they don't, that's it. They're, they're just kind of screwed. The reason why... And I, and I understand what you're saying, Craig, because when you first we talked about this, you're kind of like, I'm not sure who's going to want to listen to this. Why I think it's important that people listen to this is I think what happens in, in really any grouping of people is the whole echo chamber idea. And I know for sure that Christians can be very guilty of this, where I know a lot of people in my life that don't even know people who wouldn't identify themselves as Christians. They will only congregate and connect and collect with other Christians. And so they don't ever hear what this looks like sometimes from the outside. And they just, they they don't even know people like you exist because it's easier to pigeonhole someone like yourself and go, well, if they're not a Christian, then. I don't know that I'd want to associate with them anyway. Right. And I'm curious, as you're talking, do you have a thought as to why, when you explained it a second ago, the people who claim to have the most faith seems to be the most hypocritical? Yes. And the people who have the least faith are the people that I actually like, and they're the nicest. Yes. Do you have an idea of why do you think that is? Again, that was painting with a broad brush. No, ab- I know absolutely. lots of fantastic Christian people I, who I are know. not judgmental. Yeah, and I'm glad you clarified that because I, although I know that, I'm glad you clarified that for the listeners. So why do you think that is, that there does seem to be a tendency for people who adhere the strictest Christian principles sometimes seem to be the, the ones who don't really live by it? 
I don't know. And I guess I, I'll give you like an, a specific example, I guess is, yeah. Um, so I have lots of friends that are gay Yeah. and I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, it is what it is kind of thing. So, um, those people in my experience would not be welcome at most strict churches, you know, Lutheran, Catholic, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So again, you talk about, you know, Jesus hanging out with like the least prostitutes and whatever and accepting of everybody. And here's my message. And if you don't like it, that's okay. But that's not the way that works. Um, those people, uh, in the eyes of most organized religion are sinners. And it's almost like, because they, you can't just have a happy face with the message. The message has to come with fire and brimstone and all this other stuff. So rather than, just accept people and say, hey, this is what we believe, but you're still welcome here. Um, you're just not welcome. And that's just kind of how that works. You know, and then feeding into that, you know, and now when we get into some of the hypocritical stuff, so now we're talking about depending on the sin, right? So mm-hmm. I had a child out of wedlock. My son's awesome, right? He is. Um, I'd be welcome. Yeah. Most churches, yeah, you yeah. would. Um, without even a question in most cases. Yeah. So are, is my sin different than my friend's sin, who's not allowed in the door? Or I guess would be allowed in the door, but everybody would stare at them and make them insanely uncomfortable and right. uh, ask them to leave without asking them to leave. Right. That's a good point. Um, and, and the interesting thing, I think, about talking with you, Craig, too, is you do have a pretty decent knowledge of the Bible and what the Bible says because you you were engulfed in it for five, six years or more. So it's not like you're coming from this place of ignorance, like, yeah, I don't know what the Bible says, I just think it's junk. Yeah. Now you have an idea. You've been taught stuff. Yeah. And Sorry to interrupt. Just no, to br- bring that idea yeah. kind of like full circle, right? Yeah. So, again, my gay friends, mm-hmm. if in, in keeping with this idea where they would be made to feel uncomfortable and, and most likely unwelcome, um, if those same people who are judging them if the car was broke down or they needed a dollar to get somewhere or they needed a bed to sleep in for the night or they just needed a warm meal. Um, these people, my, my gay friends would invite them into their home without question and feed and clothe them and not preach to them or make them feel uncomfortable or unwelcome. Um, but if the situation is reversed, the people who are, strictly apply you know this religion to their life they might take this gay couple and then they would take them home and the main reason they would take them home is to preach to them and tell them why they are doing the wrong thing and here's how you can do the right thing so when we're thinking about the people that i associate with that is why you know i i don't really attend church anymore i guess the best way to put it I had a similar experience um, shortly following my divorce when there were some stories told about me that weren't necessarily true. And I was singing in the Grand Rapids Women's Chorus. And there were quite a few women in that chorus that are lesbians. And they were the sweetest, kindest, most loving people in my life at the time. It kind of blew me away because I was struggling with being accepted at the church that I had been going to. And these people just welcome me with open arms. Yeah. 
I mean, there's like this huge path to discovery on this stuff. It's not like I just woke up one day and realized it. But I had spent the last, you know, I had spent however many years of my life being told how many different people were wrong. And then as I'm being slowly exposed to different people after I get out of high school in this really sheltered, you know, echo chamber, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. And the first time when I was in, um, you know, I did two years at community college where I went to Western Michigan. Mm -hmm. And in those two years, I started working in the restaurant industry because I could make a ton of cash and save it up. Right. For school, right? I was all of a sudden in this place where there is all kinds of different people. Right. And I'm going back to what I was taught that, you know, these gay people are, they're bad, you know? And you're like, no, no. no. And then I I got to know him and I'm like, that was a bunch of crap. Like, these people are awesome. It just, you know, it just didn't make, you know, more and more of these things just didn't make sense. And, Carol, going back on what you were saying, yeah, I don't want to get too far into like my personal stuff. When I moved to Holland, so I lived in Holland, Michigan for a long time. The reason I moved is I've got joint custody um, of my son. His mom's from Holland. So, you know, when it was time for him to go to school, then I was in Holland. Right. And um, the first question that most people ask you in Holland, if they're just meeting you for the first time, where do you go to church? Well, sure. Yeah. And... I, I don't, um, I don't really, uh, you know, I don't apply to any, you know, one faith doesn't apply to me. I, I, I don't attend church. Yeah. Well, what brings you to Holland? And then I explain this custody situation. Cause the only thing that could bring you to Holland is a church. Right. Apparently. So, you know, the follow-up question is what brings you here? And then, um, yeah, you're made to feel uncomfortable, not by everybody, but by a lot. The thing is, is that even though it wasn't everybody, it was a significant experience that's had an impact on you. Oh, absolutely. Why do you think, not to qualify it more for our listeners than for you, not in a jerk way saying you're on the outside looking in or someone who's view Christianity from outside the religion, not from within it, which is why I think if your point is so valid, why do you think that's such a big thing in the Christian church that you mentioned a minute ago to have that fire and brimstone as part of the message very up front. Why do you think people, why do you think Christians do that? Some Christians. Yeah, I, I really couldn't. I mean, if they're just trying to scare you into believing what they believe, possibly if you buy that, the, you know, if you don't believe what we believe, then this is, it's, yeah, this is the outcome. Yeah. That's a really good sales pitch, I guess. You, know, you, you don't want this, right? So you got to do this. Um, I, I don't know if that's why. I don't even know that it's a, it's, it's a lead all the time, but it's definitely there. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and uh, the guy was, I'm going to paraphrase what he said. I think his name was Alexander Shia. And I thought it was very interesting what he was talking about. It's something I've actually been thinking a lot about myself. Is He talks about people who have a, an experience uh, some type of a supernatural encounter experience with God. And then what can happen is, is then they go, well, this was real. No one can take this away from me. This really happened to me. This must be how God interacts with people. And so then you try to invite other people into your experience, which is okay. But then it's like, well, here's how it works. So now you have to experience God this way. And their believing and agreeing with you has more to do with validating your own anxiety than it does actually has anything to do with them. 
is kind of what I think is part of what's going on there. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Hey, I had a um, I had a friend. He was disabled, and he was struggling in his faith. And he would go to church every Sunday and answer the altar call. Every Sunday, answer the altar call. And he talked to somebody else who said, well, that's exactly what they do. They play with your emotions, and then you answer the altar call. And then I turned to him and I said, you don't always have to answer the altar call. No. Don't get caught up in the emotions because faith in God is not based on emotions. It's based on truth. You probably know what, do you know what an altar call is? I do not. Okay. <laughs> so Chad and I grew up in, we went to the same church for 20-some years, uh, First Assembly of God here okay. in Grand Rapids, which is a great church. And I, and I, I don't really have anything negative to say about it because um, I learned a lot of good things there. But at the end of every service almost without fail. I would say more than 99% of the time when we attended there in the 80s and 90s, every service ended with an altar call, which was the sermon could have been about tithing. It could have been about, uh, you know, whatever, name the, name the topic. At the end of the service, there would be about 10 to 20 minutes given to, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand, and then we're going to have, he's making a face at me, which is really funny. Why are we not taking pictures? That was a great face. So he looks horrified. So Craig, it's not over. So th- there is this, and I knew the senior pastor. I'm not saying this because I'm against altar calls. I'm just explaining what I grew up with, what my background is. And it's, and it's definitely not a criticism of, of First Assembly. So basically, at the end of the service, you would have this 10-minute speech kind of talking about, hey, you know, whatever you need, Jesus. And if you want to accept Jesus, everyone lower your heads, close your eyes, and raise your hand. And then they would have people stand up and then come down to the front and then escort them into another room to have someone pray with them. I'm not saying that in critical matter at all. I'm just saying that's what we did. I understand. But you're having a reaction to that. I would feel horribly uncomfortable. If I was one of those You're uncomfortable people. even hearing about I am it. uncomfortable hearing about that, yeah. Yeah, why? I would feel, if I was in that situation, um, that I was really struggling with my faith, that I would, uh, being from, you know, like in the Lutheran Church, if I had a question like that, I yeah. would seek out my pastor, and I would talk to him one-on-one, Yeah. and let him know what my concerns were. I would not um, stand in front of the entire congregation for them to stare at me. And I just want to say something to people who are listening that you do not have to answer an altar call to accept Christ as your Savior. If you're at a church... But you can, too. You can. That's okay. But if you're at a church and they're giving an altar call, then you would feel more comfortable just sitting in your seat doing it privately. In God's eyes, it's just as effective. Yeah, agreed, agreed. But I wanted to explain the experience since you'd never seen it. But again, I, I I appreciate what you're saying, Chad. I mean... And Carol, in no way, shape, or form, was being critical or trying to criticize what's happening. But that's way outside her experience as well. Not only with how I was raised, but also because I'm an introvert, and I also do not like to stand up in front of crowds of people and have them stare at me. Yeah, and it can be. Now, myself, I've I've responded to dozens and dozens of altar calls. Not always for salvation, but just because sometimes it was like, hey, this person's going to pray with you about this issue you may have. And that was something I embraced, and it was normal to me. Um, so it's not a matter of saying, hey, it's wrong to do that. But if you don't know it, 
it can be seeming like you, you wait you did what yeah i would i'd be horribly uncomfortable it, be, it can be a little disconcerting if you're but when but you're like, raised in that that's your normal right and if you know chad if, if it's your church you would not feel uncomfortable because you know those folks so yeah and that's true and and because i've gone there for so long i got to admit that it, when people answer the altar call i don't stare at the altar okay and say no, oh, and, look and, at that guy, and that's or a good anything point like that. Too. I just you get you get so used to it. It's like, oh, great, they answered. I'll call, clap, 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 pray with them, and then yeah. go out to Wendy's. And and, and we also know, <laughs> yeah. Well, it used to be Mister Fables around here, but the people who are doing this and knowing the people who have been in a number of churches who did this, their motives were great. They had very good motives and intentions, but that's something that can be abused. Sure. Um, Absolutely. Let's dive into a little bit about what your faith looks like today. I'm going to revisit. It's not going to be word association this time because I don't want the quick answer. I want to just get your feeling as, again, someone who's kind of would not identify as a Christian, look, but very aware of Christianity. Like, how do you feel about the Bible? I mean, you said it's the good book, but to you, what is the Bible for you? I'm not trying to convince you of anything. No, you're in this fine. Talk, I'm trying so. to. I'm trying to think of the right way to. Yeah, no, to that's work fine. This. And I'm not. None of us are going to be offended by what you think. I think it is historical and has merit, and there is. It's proven that a lot of things in that have happened. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that being said, the same thing with the Quran, right? Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm going to go like broad here. So it's fine. I, I I I don't know that I would be cons- like a, a deist is somebody right that has faith and a belief that there is God or a God or maybe even something along the lines of intelligent design and maybe they created and left. I don't know if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, most of why I question the way I question has to do with the way I was raised. Right. So, and right. that I would say like, you know, five years that I was in church, you know, for the most part every day um, that I can't, see what's going on in the world and what other people believe and think that that is the only answer is that one book. No, I, I, I totally understand that viewpoint. So God, when you think about God, I mean, you kind of, you've touched on it, but can you go a little deeper about what do you think about this concept of God? And I'm going to use again more examples. So yeah, absolutely. So you know when we talk about you know the Trinity or the one true or you know died on the cross and Jesus, and then there is how many millions of Muslims in the world? I I, I have a hard time believing that any religion is the one true religion or any book is the one true book or any god is the one true god, because as I experience more of the world, none of that makes sense to me. Sure. So what do you think God is like? I don't know or do you think point. it's unknowable i think it's unknowable and okay. i'm not sure if again you know along the lines of deism if he just created and took off or if he still has a hand in something i don't know sure but when you see everything that's happening in the world and all everybody of different religion fighting over what ends up being the one true religion and um trying again like going back to the way i was taught um kind of in you know the lutheran church that I was raising is that everybody at some point will have, you know, the ability or right. a chance to accept Jesus Christ in their life and they might take it, they might not. You know, the the more I see this, and just to use a real world example like um some, you know, kid who's born in Aleppo and they're 
and they've not had a chance to experience any sort of life at all. And for all intents and purposes, they probably have been raised to some degree in a Muslim household and at any point could have a bomb dropped on them. So that person is not accepted Jesus Christ into their life. Are they just completely screwed? Uh, how does that sit well with anybody who says that you need to accept Jesus Christ to be saved? That doesn't make any sense to me. Real life examples of that all over the world. If you go to you know North Korea, if you're if you're caught practicing Christianity for the most part, you're you're just thrown in a gulag and that's the end of it. But how many? So you have people who because they believe that they're the leader of their government is a deity that they are not allowed to believe this other thing, you know, about Christ. And they take that very seriously because maybe somebody in their family or somebody they know has been pulled out of their house and thrown in a labor camp and they're not going to let that happen to them and their family. So they completely shut that off. And that is not even something to be considered. So that person has zero chance, right? Of being saved. So, and then you have other people who are practice other religions. So if you're a devout Muslim and you're a fantastic person and you care about other people and you live your entire life the right way, you don't necessarily reject Christianity. You respect it, but you don't believe it. And you've lived your life the entire, you know, your entire life the right way. You've cared about other people. You have helped other people. uh, You put others before yourself but you did not accept Jesus Christ as your savior. You're just also completely screwed. These things don't sit with me. So my idea of God, I don't know. Just the creator and because I can't say that, you know, any of these people deserves to not be saved. So in all of your evaluation of this and in all of your your examples, you have a very clear sense of what's, what's good and what's right and what's wrong and what, would not be acceptable. So what are the characteristics of this God? That Why, why do you think that that situation would be incongruous with a God? Like what characteristics would you assign to him that would make those things unacceptable? And this is, I guess, where, where I really struggle because I don't think that there is, there is nothing I have seen that has shown me that there is a higher power that is looking out for anybody. Okay. Because I just don't think that happens. Sure. I, I really don't at no, this point. I understand that. Um, so to answer your question, I, I, I don't think. I, so he's absent, yeah. whoever he is. Yeah, correct. Thank you. Good way to put it. Okay. So Jesus Christ, what do you? what are your thoughts on, on, on who he was and who he claimed to be and what do, you, what do you think of, who do you think about, was he real, did he exist, and if he was, who was he, and that kind of a thing. He was a real person. Uh-huh. Maybe he was a vessel for whatever higher power. I, and again, I really don't know. Um, yeah. I, well, I that's know. another one I struggle with because I was so hard bought in on that. Yeah. Um, was it hard to abandon that or leave that behind? I don't know that I completely left it. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. No, but So for, how does that work then? So we... <laughs> You haven't totally left it behind. There's So let me ask you this. What aspects about it are still attractive and drawing you towards it? 
painting with a broad brush. Obviously, yeah. most Christians are not judgmental, bad people. Um, yeah, the, the church agreed. is a, a great community center. <laughs> it is fantastic for a lot of people. You're super active in your church, and you inspire other people. And people come to church to be part of a community. Yes. And there are true. certain people, even if you would leave, you know, the, the Bible and all this other stuff, if you left the faith aspect out of it, and there's just this big group of people that comes together and supports everybody else, that's fantastic. With the religion, it's fine too, but that's fantastic. Right. So there are a lot of positive things I think that faith creates, and that big sense of community that actually helps people and inspires people to do great things and inspires people to go on missionary trips to a third world country and spend their summer building a house for somebody that they're, you know, that they're, it's a complete stranger. That sort of thing is fantastic. So the community aspect of the church is one aspect that you still find attractive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There is a guy I listen to cause I'm, I'm weird. I listen to a lot of sermons on podcasts cause I just love the spoken word. I, I think it's an interesting medium. Um, and people who do it well, I think, are fascinating. There's a guy named Erwin McManus who I've mentioned before on the podcast, and he has a, actually has a church out in um, uh, California, in L.A., called Mosaic. I remember him saying that just atheists and agnostics are usually pretty lousy at community. And he said, you can just borrow ours. You can just come and be part of our community. You don't have to believe what we believe. We still want you here. And we're still talking about this stuff, but I love his approach towards this very what I would call uh, some people have their faith in this fist and it's tightly clenched. And if you challenge it, you'll probably get hit with that fist in one way or another, either verbally or actually physically or relationally. Part of my journey has been a person who had a very tight, closed fist when it came to religion and my belief system to one with this very open hand, not thinking that I've got this figured out and like my, I've got all the answers. And, you know, and I, would, I will admit there is still this fundamentalist fundamentalistic, dogmatic part of me that wants to respond to everything you're saying to convince you that you're wrong and you must. But as I come to examine my own spirituality and thought process, you are on your own journey, Craig. So for those of you who are very uptight right now and hoping that I can lead Craig through the sinner's prayer and into salvation, that's just not the point of this, con this, this conversation. Now, I wouldn't have agreed to come on the show if that wasn't <laughs> <laughs> There's the bait and switch, Craig. Now, my hope and honest, very realistic motivation in, in this is to, for people to hear your voice. And my friendship with you is not just so I can get you saved. Right. Now, I do believe in Jesus Christ. I do believe in the Bible. I do believe in heaven and hell. But it breaks my heart that, because I've seen some of the same things you've seen, of course. Um, and I do want you to experience God. And, and the way I've experienced him, but I want, and also more importantly, I want him to experience in your own way, in your own journey. And I do hope you encounter that. Is there anything other aspects of Christianity? You mentioned community that was attractive, something that I think you're getting that right, guys. Um, oh, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. What else, what other attributes of, of faith and the church, if you will, do you, that, is there more than that that you think is attractive or is that kind of? Well, just having some guidelines to live by, do unto others, the golden rule, I guess, all that good stuff. Ten, you, Ten Commandments is pretty cool. Do you wish you could? Uh, do you wish you could believe again, or are you? 
Are you comfortable in your place in your journey? You know what? That's an interesting question because I don't know that I would want to or not. And that's yeah. that's pretty tough because it almost feels like I lost something. Yeah, but, and I, I can sense that. But I don't know that I would want to because it's almost like, you know, well, I, think, I feel like I was yeah. in that echo chamber. and You can't go back. No. You don't want to go back. I don't know that I was any happier when I was there, but it just feels like I left something behind and I should go get it. Uh, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense, really. I don't know how to put that. What I think, in my own opinion, so take it for what it's worth, and I think a lot of people do this with Christianity. Let's say that this water bottle in front of me was just filled with, and people spit in it, and let's say that people you know, put all kinds of nasty stuff in there, um, and you're like, man, I, that's that's how I view Christianity is there's some good stuff in there. There's some bad stuff in there. There's no way I would drink out of that water bottle again. I've drank out of it. Now I'm able to see how much poison there is in there, not negating that there's good stuff. What makes me sad is, but totally get it, is that that is what Christianity has become for so many people. And I think, honestly, what you've left, there is still something there for you, in my opinion. You'll discover that, and I, my prayer is that God will reveal himself to you in, in the time in a way that makes sense to you. But, you know, obviously, regardless of where you go on that journey, we're still going to be friends. I mean, that's, unfortunately, I, I say that, but, and you're like, well, duh. But <laughs> trust me, I know people who are like, well, you shouldn't associate with unbelievers, and they take it to a very high extreme. Chad, I think you know of what I speak a little bit there. Absolutely. Because Jesus, he ate with sinners, and that's what he was criticized with the most. And I've said this before, and it might offend people, but I think it's the truth. But I say that if Jesus was walking the earth today, yeah. you would probably see him more likely in a gay bar than you would see him in a church. Well, gosh, of course. Because that is one of the things that really strikes me. Um, and it hit me a long time ago when I was still in my, what I'll call my closed fisted religious belief mindset. I was like, wait a minute. You know, I read the Bible cause I'm trying to be a good Christian. It's exactly what you're saying, Chet. Uh, Jesus is hanging around prostitutes. There was no, and then so very, very low on the, the social spectrum was were prostitutes. There was a class of people lower than prostitutes. They were called tax collectors. And tax collectors were the scum of the scum of the earth. And a little bit above tax collectors and probably somewhere around prostitutes were shepherds. Um, in fact, I listened to a really interesting podcast the other day, and they said the reason the people they put out to be with the sheep were people who had kind of screwed up in society because that way everyone would know who the bad people were. And I'm using quotes there because when they would come to town, the smell of the sheep would get to the people before the actual person would. And once they smelled the sheep, they knew this was someone who was not socially acceptable. Sure. So Jesus becomes this person who, through the book that's supposed to talk about him, is known as the friend of sinners. When he's born, who's one of the first set of people that get told that he's born? Shepherds. Why would you tell shepherds? They're nothing. They're nobody. And yet this is one of the first groups of people that gets told and is supposed to spread the news about the birth of, you know, who I believe to be the Messiah. Today, the lowest of the low in our society, would they feel comfortable around a pastor of a megachurch? No. For the At most part, I'm, sh so. I'm sure there's exceptions, right? Yeah. But, yeah, I, I would have to say probably not. Something's gone horribly wrong. I'd like to point something out yeah. using your analogy there. Um Christians view Jesus as 
a shepherd. They look at their pastor as a shepherd. Right. So it's interesting how you use that analogy because basically what I was taught was like uh, shepherds were like the truck drivers of the biblical age. They have foul mouths and they're away from everybody. <laughs> and you know, that, that fishermen. So the people Jesus surrounded himself with, uh, tax collector, uh, a couple zealots, uh, the, who he chose to be his disciples is really kind of a fascinating. And but as these disciples followed Jesus around, and they were not the people he was supposed to pick, because there's a whole a lot of information around that. By the time you're 13, they knew whether you were going to be, be smart enough or dedicated enough to become a rabbi or not. Mm-hmm. The kids after 13 got to go follow rabbis and learn at their feet, and the rest went to go do their father's profession. Jesus didn't pick the up-and-coming students. He went out to the ones, the rabble he wasn't supposed to associate with. But even those good little Jewish boys would have been aghast at some of the things he did. John, can you look? Do you see what he's doing over there? He's talking to the Samaritan woman at a well. He's not, you're not supposed to do that. He broke rules all the time. So that's my, I don't mean to preach there, but I get passionate about it because I think as Christianity, I think we've all left something behind. There's this value there that I think there's, there's an essence I think you still think is kind of, I want that back to some extent, but I'm not going to drink the whole bottle of water because a lot of it's garbage, and there's no way I'm going to drink that garbage again. Yeah. So, I have a question. Yeah. Now, you'd mentioned some of the things that are keeping you from returning to the faith, and you, two things that you mentioned were the doctrinal things like the specific beliefs and people. Which one of the things that you mentioned is the biggest obstacle for you? That's a good question. That's a great question. <laughs> Which means he's got to think about it for a minute. And if you don't have a good answer, that's okay. I think it's probably the doctrine. I just, so again, the people you can, you know, take some relief, some. There's some people that I would rather not associate with, and there's some people <laughs> that are fantastic. Which I think is true of everybody. Yeah. But so it- the, I just have a, I, I have a difficult time believing that the Bible is right, and the everyone Quran, else is wrong. wrong. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Sure, and I, don't you think too partially though that your Chad's question there, the answer is kind of a hybrid of the both, because it's the people who swallow that doctrine the most and hold to it the tightest are the most you don't want to be around. Yeah, people that are a little more understanding and are open to having a discussion are the people who are not. Maybe you know I take that back because I wouldn't say it's the people who are not as bought in. Um, but I don't want to compare religion to politics, but there are people in, in, in our hotly contested presidential race where you will not, you will make a point to not agree with somebody, even if they're right. Uh, you, you can't, you, (laughs) that's, that's what we call in culture, Facebook. Yeah. You, 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 You can't even take the good things and make that, you know, there's no, there's no compromise. There's yeah. none, and yeah. you can't even have a discussion, a rational discussion like this with people that are so bought in on either side right now in, in politics. And to me, it's the same way with religion. If you are that bought in that I can't even have this conversation with you without you telling me how, how wrong I am and in how many different ways, I don't, I don't need that, and it's, it's just not something I need. It's an interesting analogy because I find that, too, that if, somebody who's totally bought into a certain belief system or, or political party cannot tolerate any criticism of it. Like, you cannot say anything critical at all. 
Yeah, and it's it, even if you're questioning because you want to know, right? But it comes off as I'm questioning you, and I'm putting you on the defensive because then you have to explain yourself, right? Um, that's equally as bad. <laughs> yeah. And usually, if that's the case, you're either hiding something or <laughs> you're just being difficult. Or yeah. you're a lot of times you're. I, I honestly believe this. I think they're afraid of being wrong, and because this so much is tied into this, and and we're so eager and willing to latch on to something that's bigger than we are of course to be a part of something as such as this incredible longing we get to the point um i use an example uh, craig and i are coming out of we're both in the financial industry and we run across these people who believe that the iraqi dinar is their salvation for their future uh their wealth <laughs> right and, yeah. and i call them dinar dummies um and i, and I apologize but uh they have bought in so hard to this that they can't back out now because they're in too deep yeah it's like people who would vote for trump i swear trump could get up on stage and he could kill a baby seal with a club and they would be like i'm still voting for him and hillary you know the hillary followers the same way she could get up and and she could stab a hobo to death on the stage and people would be (laughs) like i'm still voting hillary they're so locked in there is no going back right there's no room for doubt and that's not a faith that I even want to be a part of either because I think I used to say this as a youth pastor until you struggle with your faith it's not really yours yeah and I don't mean to just be the wandering questioning person who just no, I, doesn't believe anything that anybody says but no I know there is when you get that bought in that there's no way back and you can't have a rational discussion that's the point. you can't allow somebody to question you yes you can't even accept the fact that I think other religions have value and maybe those people are actually saved too because right. they're good people right. and they live the right way. No, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. And Craig, a lot of the questions that you bring up, a lot of the things that you've mentioned, you know, and you know this, these are not unique to humanity. Right. But the problem, what makes me uh, frustrated is when and we're good at this in the church, and this is true of any echo chamber and what we've just discussed, you can't bring your doubts to the table. We've all got them. You know, I've, I've struggled with the same questions you have. Now, I've resolved some of them. I haven't resolved all of them. And you have to grapple with this stuff because it's real and they're good questions. And that's part of our faith journey is trying to figure out what, is that, what does that even look like, feel like? You know, how does the, the kid who gets a bomb dropped on him when he's five years old, is he burning in hell? Like, okay, this is not congruent with the God of the Bible, the overall narrative that I'm reading here. So... Some of those questions that you've presented, I'm like, I I don't even know how I'd answer some of those now in my own faith. But I think a lot of people don't want uncertainty in any area. They feel safer if they can have a black and white answer and fit their doctrine into a little box and don't have to doubt anything, which, which is why many people are so closed-minded. And... That box, if you're still living in a box with the way information travels now, you are just beyond help, I think. There is, you know, and I, like I've just said, like, there's a few examples I've thrown out there. But if you, you know, watch National Geographic and there's a tribe, you know, whatever, on the Amazon somewhere, and they live out in the jungle, and they're never going to be exposed. I mean, you know, there, there's tribes that are like still now just yeah. being discovered and have never had any contact there are still with, languages with no alphabet. Yeah, with, with other no humans word. ever. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, who knows how 
long of the history those people have without ever coming in contact with somebody from the Western world who's telling them about God or Christ or anything. And you've got generations of people who have no clue that Christianity exists or is a thing. And those people are not saved. Are they not? What's the answer there? Yeah, and that, and again, that's a great question. And I thought you had all the answers, Dave. Yeah, right. You know better than that. <laughs> um, I do have, I do have an answer for that, but I'm not. I'm really not. I'm not going to share it on this podcast because you don't need Dave's answer for this. You need to be talking to people. You need to be thinking about this. You need to be having discussions with people you respect. So I'm gonna, I've got two last questions for you. Carol has another question. <laughs> well, I'm just curious. You said some of the things that you sort of miss or admire about Christianity. How can we be better? I just want people to be included. That shouldn't be, I don't think, all that difficult, especially if you really want to live by, you know, the Bible and what Jesus taught. It's, it almost seems like some of it, and I know this isn't the case with everybody, but some of it's a show. Like, who's going to sign up and go to the food pantry this weekend and help homeless people? Well, crap, I haven't done it in a year. It's probably my time to put my name on the list and show up for four hours and be part of the community. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, again, absolutely. you know, the atheist down the street does it every friggin' weekend. It's, you know, <laughs> but if he tried to go to church, if he met you at the, at the soup kitchen and said, oh, yeah, I'm Jim the Atheist from down the street. I come here every weekend. I've never seen you before. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, this is my four hours out of the year I have to be here. The atheist can't come to church, right? Right. But so he's not saved, but he's the one doing all the right stuff. It's, well, I, he could I, come to church, but everybody would look at him. Exactly, like yeah. Well, Jesus tells a parable where he's, this father tells two sons to go out and do something for him. And the one son says, absolutely, Dad, I got you, buddy. That is not actually in the Bible, but I just threw it in there. Um, it's the Dave translation. It is right. the Dave. The new Dave translation. Nobody wants that. Um, and then there's another son who says, no, no, Dad, I ain't doing that. I'm going to go do my own thing. And then the son who said he would do it just goes about his own way. He's just blowing off his dad to make his dad happy. The son who said no thinks about it and goes, oh, man, I got to do this. Which one did the will of his father? Obviously the second yeah, son. The second one. Yeah, so... Carol, that's a great that's a great point. I love the question that you asked, Craig. You know, what could we do better? Two questions that I've got left for you here as we're getting long on time here. Number one is um, number one. Describe the type of church that you would want to go to and attend. I don't know. Again, you say church. Can I just go somewhere where there's a great sense of community yeah. and people want to help each other? I only say churches because that's what kind of. Because what you're saying, yeah, sure. Where is that? Occasionally at church. Occasionally at church. Where is it outside of that? All over. It's you know, yeah. na- neighborhood. You know, everybody come sure. to my house for the barbecue or something. There's Absolutely. there's a lot of there's a lot of places, and I think that the, there's yeah. a lot of people that go to church who don't realize that there's stuff that happens outside of church where people yeah, truly care about point. each other and do nice things it's, for each other. The, the, the easy thing about church is, as you know, when where. And, you know, right. without, with the other things, it's not that they don't happen. Of course they do. I just don't know when and where. Right. Because they haven't put a name on their organization. Right. 
And that so, doesn't make them bad or wrong. Yeah, so the, I, I don't really know that there is a, a type of... Uh, again, I, I don't think that I'm going to ever... And maybe I'll get it to a different point in my life, but I don't think I'm ever going to um, apply a strict orthodoxy to me. Like there's not going to, I'm not going to be in a religion box. I don't know that I'll ever be in that place again. I'm hoping that I'm not in a religion box either. You know, I don't, I don't really, I don't think God fits in a box. Um, so not necessarily. So let's say that it doesn't have to be that. So my, my challenge for you in this, and you've challenged me in this, in this bit of time as well, is that you not to throw away the whole bottle of water, that I, I challenge you that there are some things in there that have value that I, I'm hoping, and I know you will, you'll continue to grapple with on your own in your own journey. Is there a way a church could be attractive for you to attend to if it wasn't having to enter that box or drink that bottle of water? Yeah, certainly. I just don't see that that's actually an option. Why not? You just don't, you don't think it exists? I don't think it exists, no. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought uh, it was about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I thought you said that you got, you were toying with the idea of going back to church again more for your son than anything else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I had thought about it and I... Promptly dismissed it. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't even say that I dismissed no, it. No, I'm teasing. Um, you know, his... His mom takes him to church, not every Sunday, but they, he gets a little bit of it. I just struggle with all of that now. I, yeah. I, I think, again, I took a lot of great things with me, right? So right. you're saying, you know, I, I just don't strictly believe what's being taught there. Can I just give him the good stuff? And well, I would challenge. I, I'm telling you, there there are churches out there that weigh more heavily on the good stuff than the bad stuff. Yeah. And of course, I'm a big. I like to shill for my church, Solomon's Porch. We do a pretty darn good job of getting the good stuff and leaving out the stuff you're talking about. Okay. Now we're not perfect, and I'm, I'm sure if you want to come to my church, I'd love it. But it, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to pressure you to come to my church. So when you talk about some of the good things that you took out of that. What were some of those things? I think they're things that I still apply in my life on a daily basis. So I, I think that's part of the reason why I'm not certain I would ever go back. Can you name what some of the good things are that I, you apply on a daily basis? I try to put others before myself. Mm -hmm. I just try and be a good person in general. Mm -hmm. I don't lie, cheat, steal, you know, all those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I think I gained a better understanding of what it took to be what it takes to be a good person by doing all that's you know mm -hmm. by being and you also had a better idea of what it means not to be a good person yeah right right so is and last question i have for you and this is something you alluded to um is there are there any attributes like carol you said hey i don't want to be known as this kind of wandering questioner do you have any so solid things in your belief system or even about God or anything like that? Are there any points where you're not questioning? You've arrived at an answer. No. The farther I get, the more questions I have. <laughs> it's like watching the show Lost. The more I watch it, the more questions I get. It's Yes. it's a, The deeper I get into the rabbit hole, the more questions I have and the further away from any organized religion I think I get because I I learn more, I question more, you know, I, I learn about what other people believe and 
why is that not the right? I, I just, I can't reconcile any of this stuff. And I don't think, I think the more questions I ask and the more I begin to understand about other people and their faith, and what they believe and why they believe it. And I try and line that up with what you might believe and why you believe it. And, you know, then people who have no chance at really even having something like this in their life, like we're so spoiled here. You know, you've got all these different choices. They might not have any choice at all. They might be forced into something. You know, all these things together make me question more and more and more. And the more questions I have, the deeper down the rabbit hole I get. And all of this, you know, do you know? It doesn't begin to make, it, it makes less sense as I get older, not more. What if you're closer to God now than you've ever been? That'd be interesting. I don't know. I don't either. There's a possibility, I suppose. When Jesus was asked a question, do you know how he answered it? With a question. With a question. It was always about the yeah. questions. So, any last comments? We're, we're, this is a long podcast, but uh, it's been a good one. Um, Chad, do you have any closing thoughts or comments or anything you want to throw out there? No, not that I can think of. All right, Carol, you got anything? Well, I just thought of that little expression that you often... Okay, thanks. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Oh, just teasing. You're mean. <laughs> if I can remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> um, yeah, the little expression you say about all truth is God's truth. I think if you just keep seeking truth, you'll find it. It's it's there, and it's his. Craig, anything else you want to throw out there to the listeners? Yeah, keep in mind, probably the majority of our listeners are, are would consider themselves Christian. We do have, a, I know for sure we have a few atheists who listen to our program because they Thank you for listening very much. We want you as listeners. Um, but they they pretty much enjoy how we present faith, and they want to talk about spirituality. They just don't want to shove down their throat. Um, so considering that's our audience, you got anything else to say to them? I don't think there's anything wrong with your faith. I respect you. I don't think, like, there are the atheist-type people out there who they don't have the answer to the question, uh, so they just assume because they don't get what you're doing that <laughs> Christianity is dumb or this religion is dumb or all religion is dumb. I think there's so many good things that come along with it. And I think, again, I've taken some of those things and applied them in my life. Although I don't, um, apply the religion to my life necessarily anymore. Yeah. Um, so keep doing what you're doing. I'm not here to try and talk you out of it. Um, uh, absolutely. And I, uh, and me having you on the show, go ahead, Carol. It wouldn't work anyway. Right. That, that's true. <laughs> and, and, and just to that point, as you know, like I said, I didn't bring you on this show so that I could yeah. try to. Yeah, no hostility. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk anybody out of anything. No. I'm just, that's, I'm at where I'm at. And yeah, I just have a lot of questions. And I really don't think that any one religion or one person or one anybody's going to be able to answer them. So. Yeah, and, uh, and certainly my job is not to present all the answers either, of course. Um, but my encouragement for you, for the listeners, is, I mean, like Carol said, don't be afraid of doubts, for one thing. The questions that Craig brought up in the program today, uh, you, don't, you don't have to have those figured out. You don't have to, and especially if you 
I know that you don't have those figures out because figured out because people have been arguing about it for thousands and thousands of years. So don't pretend like you do. Because if you are a believer and you try to say, I have the definitive answer for some of these questions, by and large, if you're, if you're presenting it from, I'm absolutely confident, I know for sure why, you're probably going to end up looking a little bit stupid um, and because no one else has had a definitive answer. Or otherwise, we'd all be talking about that answer right now. Um, I think God left some things open-ended like that. We're not going to have an answer this side, of, in my opinion, this side of eternity. Um, we want to hear your feedback if you have questions about these things. Um, if you think we're crazy for having a guy like Craig on the show, like, geez, why would you have this guy? He's just so many questions. Yeah, if you have questions for me, send them to Dave. That's right. That's and right. I, and I will answer them. Yeah, no, hey, I will too, man. <laughs> if you, if people have a question for you. Um, That'd be a lot of fun, actually. I'm in. I, I wish, dude, I totally wish we could do this live. I'd love to take calls and stuff, but maybe someday. But you can get in touch with us. Um, we are on Facebook. And if you look up an open letter on Facebook, you should be able to find us. Uh, you, can, you can email us. It's an open letter to you at gmail.com. So an open letter, the number two, the letter U. An open letter to you at gmail.com. Um, we're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes now. There's a number of ways you can get hold of us. We really need you, though. Please, please, please go over to iTunes and write us a review. And that would be nice if it was a nice review. But once we get enough reviews on iTunes, then they'll start showing up for other people to see. But we've only been on iTunes for a couple months. We're super excited to be here. Um, this podcast is really starting to get some momentum. We're really starting to get some listeners. So we'll hope to share it. We'll hope uh, you tell your friends about it. Craig, thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Had a good time, man. Oh, I love having conversations like this. Hey, if you get lots of questions, maybe I can come back and we can answer them. <laughs> Absolutely. Fun, right? You open to coming back? Heck yeah. Yeah, and it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, we have a good time. Chad, again, thank you so much for uh, producing the show. Carol, thank you for being my fiancé and my favorite person. And uh, we thank you for listening. Hope you have a great night. We'll talk to you next time.